And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Mondays, is my good friend, Michele Bear. Michele, what's up? The intro always cracked me up. Like when Shay says, have you answered? No. 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 Of course not. Yeah. It's uh, mm. it's becoming a thing. I was in the locker room last night chatting with Mike Mascala about Cracked on Oak brand and the, uh, the terrible branding that they that they possess, which is true. It's terrible. Uh, man, the Thunder played three games, have lost all three of them. The first two in kind of fun fashion, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, last night it was the home opener and, uh, not as much fun. So yeah, not, not, not so great because most of that is because we didn't get to see Shea Gilders Alexander play basketball yesterday, which is, uh, yeah. It's it's uh, officially not as good if Shea doesn't play. Just uh, gonna put my stamp on that one. Yeah, I mean the the offense looked terrible for the first ten minutes. It was just whatever, yeah. uh, and then it looks it, it looked bad also for the next like ten, <laughs> and it was okay uh, in spots in the third. <laughs> yeah. but, but basically, whenever Mike was on the court, everything was okay. Yeah. Uh, and this gives me such a high hope for the future, yeah. because whenever I think about Chet, I think about a better—well, not a better—a um, version of Uscala that is as good on offense, if not better. He's uh, better. I mean, he can handle. Like he can do so much more. Mike is just more <clears throat> yeah, spot but up. Let's just yeah. talk about finishing. Yeah. Like finishing. Okay, I have to be more specific. Mm-hmm. Finishing plays. Chet would be as good as Mike. To yeah. say the least, mm-hmm. and then there is the defensive part. Yeah, and if this gives me hopes because he will not play eleven minutes. I I can guarantee you that he will mm-hmm. play more than twenty eight, and and this will be fun. So this is what why I will be probably in a good mood for the entire season because everything everything that Muscala does, Chet can do and he can add on. So um, that is the good part. The bad part is that everyone who got we got an extension is playing putrid basketball so far. Kenrich and Lou are not playing good basketball right now. No, they're not. They're especially offensively and defensively too. But they they have played terrible basketball so far. They look out of sync, like mm-hmm. out of rhythm. 
Uh, it's kind of hard to describe. Some of it, I just, I don't know. Some of it is the rotations are just choppy, I guess yeah. would be the way to describe it. Um, it's uh, it's how, it's hard to get it. Part of last night that was so difficult to watch is that it was just hard to get a handle on yeah. what was going on or like what was supposed to be happening. And some of that is that, I think part of it is like Mark's frustrated with the way that they're playing. And especially you see them play for the first 10 minutes and it's like, what is going on? Like no one's playing with any force. No one's trying mm-hmm. to to play the way I want them to. So I'm going to throw out another unit, see if they do it. They didn't do it either. You're out. New guys in. I mean, he was just searching. And it felt like the whole game, he was just kind of searching for like who is going to play this brand of basketball that I want them to play. And I think last night was just kind of a, a strange game because like your your typical guys that set the tone for how to play, like you said, is Dort and it's Kenrich. And when they weren't doing it either, then it's like, all right, you know, you don't have Shea there. Giddy only played for half the game. Yeah. And the the flow, the everything that you want to say, like this is Thunder basketball, only happened for like little spurts. Yeah. You know, like for the most part, it looked it was kind of a mess. Yeah, you can also say that in. I mean, OKC got close. Uh, they always do in the third. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were better there, and you can say that afterwards they had they were short of the best three players they have right mm-hmm. now or two and a half because J-Dub is not probably the third best player right now. He can be in the future. And, and Minnesota started to play, started to hit shots at a very unreasonable level. I mean, they were hitting oh, yeah. anything uh, and everything, um, yeah. no matter how hard. Um, but you, you mentioned that Lou and Kenrich are not playing at a very high level. Um on offense, I would say that defensively, I mean, in, in game one, yes, Ludort was good on, on on Edwards last night. I wasn't even sure how they were playing him. It was like a mixed bag of stuff. Sometimes it was him, sometimes it was other, others. Um, but he was just cooking, and there was nothing um, that OKC could do to stop him. Yeah, and that, that is not fire. good when yeah. you have a, quote-unquote, defensive player of the year candidate in, on your team or... At least this is part of the story of why everyone really likes Ludort. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not able to put a stop on on, on Edwards. And sometimes the, the the best offensive players uh, have like answers to any good defensive player. But last night it was not that. I think right. it was just I don't know, uh, not being aggressive enough, as you mentioned. Yeah, and some of this, it's. This is going to be kind of the story of parts of this season for the Thunder, is that they're going to be looking for who's ready to play. This is, I mean, we for, sometimes we forget because we're like so, we have our blinders on a little bit from the rest of the league, but man, this is a really young team. Yeah. And Dort included. I feel like we start, we package Dort as a part of like, oh, the veterans on this team. Like Dort is still developing. And that's something yeah. that Mark is always like introducing, reintroducing everybody. Like how, like how young Lou Dort is. If Lou Dort was on 
the the Nuggets or if he was on the Heat or a team like that, I mean, he would be talked about as like, oh, man, this guy's so young. He still has a long way to go. But because yeah. he's playing with 19-year-olds, he feels so much older, you know? Um, so it's it's up it's gonna be a process for all these guys. Lou is not as much like cemented in as part of the future as like Shay and Giddy and Chet certainly are. But the contract they gave him, I don't think that they're sitting back and going, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that we gave this contract to him. It's been three games, you know? Yeah. Like this is this is three games, and I know that there's a lot of people that are frustrated with the way the Lou's played. Like it's been three games. That's let's it's let's more give it the process time. than the results for me at least. Yeah. Like I don't possibly care about the results. I don't care that, that Trey Man is shooting twenty three point five percent, nor that Lou Dort is shooting probably worse, like twenty percent. Um that is not the part that interests me. Um the part where I'm a bit worried is how it gets to his buckets mm -hmm. in spots he takes the good ones uh, he takes uh, a good drive lane to the basket he takes a good semi-open corner tree that is these are good shots and then he mixes up with stuff that you can't do uh, or at least you can wait to do it when it's the last resort mm -hmm. and and maybe that is the the path that he has to to take and to endure uh, maybe one or two seasons more just to understand where he where he needs to be uh, in order to be an effective contributor. I, I think that he knows that whatever he has done in the first three games is not right. I mean, I'm sure that in his mind he's trying to find a way um, a way out of mm -hmm. this slump. And mm -hmm. so is Trey Man. I mean, he was really frustrated last night when mm -hmm. he had a wide open three, he just missed it. Yeah. Um, and this will continue to happen because as you mentioned, these are not veterans. These are guys in year four, two, four at, at, at best. Like, yeah. So it's, there is time. Um, and, and again, not having Shea and not having Giddy and not having J-Dub and playing this very, very... Um, confusing lineups um it's probably also difficult for mm -hmm. everyone involved yeah the basically substitution was very weird yeah i couldn't get an answer on that i was asking mark about it after the game yeah. and it's tough because he doesn't want to s single out anyone in particular but mm -hmm. i specifically asked about darius because he played the least amount of minutes on the team last night mm -hmm. and Played 15 guys. <laughs> so uh, yeah. what's the deal there? Like, what did he do? I mean, it felt like, I mean, the question that I wanted to ask, and like, you have to be more, you just have to have more tact than this. It's just like, what did he do to make you upset? Like, what did he, what did he do? You know, mm -hmm. I, I went back and didn't, couldn't really see anything that was like so egregious that he needed to be pulled and not played again. During the game, I don't know. It's confusing, especially after the way he played against Denver. Where yeah, he, he played him. very well. He was awesome against Denver. He was playing with great speed and athleticism and force, and it was just like, yeah, this is it. Like this is the realized Darius Baisley. And then he comes out literally the night after, and he plays four minutes. And it was just like, what? 
what happened there? Like, is he is he hurt? Is he? He might be. Have a bad he might attitude. Feel, like, I have no idea. Yeah, it, it can be anything. It can be him asking, "Hey, coach, I feel bad." It just yeah. Like, <laughs> like well, I gave Mark yeah. like a chance to answer the question. He like f- refused. Which yeah, to me, if he was like, "Oh, you know what? He's dealing with like a little." thing here or there like that's it that's like an easy way out for mark yeah in my opinion and maybe and who knows i don't know like as much as i can i can be as close to the situation as i possibly can and still not get the inside answers you know you can only ask so many ways some of these questions but yeah i don't that one was weird to me that one was singled out as maybe the weirdest one because i I saw Poku and I was like, yeah, Poku needs to get out. They need to pull him out of there because this isn't yeah. it. And then Poku got another chance and he actually played well. He he played with physicality. The results weren't there on the court except for the one backwards layup that was just like the most <laughs> Poku play ever. But uh, every, everything else, it, it took him a minute, but he got there and he started playing with more force. He only played 13 minutes. Uh, and then... He was just trying stuff, honestly. I mean, he he got Jay Will in there, played eight minutes. I thought Jay Will played great. I thought his yeah. passing was good. He finished nope, well around the basket. Okay. For Jay Will, I thought that that was, that was about as good as you can expect. He drew a charge. I mean, that's about as good as I could have expected. Had had six boards. I mean, I thought I thought he did. I thought he did enough. And then the guy off the bench, we can lean positive, that I thought we finally started to see some flashes from is Usman Jang, who had missed all of his shots up until this game, who looked mostly lost, mostly like he's standing in the middle, like he's uh, like the game Frogger on a speeding highway where these just cars and trucks are just speeding all around you, and you're just standing there frozen in the middle, and you just get run over by a truck just because you don't even know what's going on. He finally started to figure things out uh, yesterday. It doesn't mean it's he's going to be even better against the Clippers. Maybe he will be, but I expect this to be like two steps forward, five steps back, ten steps forward, seven steps back. Yeah. Like It's just going to be the way that it is, but you finally saw what Presti and his team had kind of hoped for when they drafted Jang uh, after two pretty bad games. Uh, he played 23 minutes and, and looked pretty good. Yeah, um, he was okay. I, th- I think he was okay defensively also in the first two games. Sure. Uh, in spots. I mean, he really understands rotation. He was part of one of the third quarter runs, I uh, think, uh, against Denver. He was on the court. So, I mean, the the offense will, will come in due time. But the fact that he can already play uh, the game defensively and he he knows where to be he knows what to do on that end of the court for the most part that is something that allows him to be out there now granted he he was playing against like second lines and in, in um let's not say the g word but time that was not really of consequence maybe this will be a better way to describe um, the last 10 minutes of yeah. the game if, if, um, you, if you miss that i asked mark about jang I actually asked him about him before the game and just said, what have you seen from him? And he said, well, if you play, you know, I kind of want to give him some time. And then if he plays well, I'll give him extended minutes. And if he doesn't play well, then I'll, then I'll pull him. And mm-hmm. 
he played well. And so I was like, all right, well, what did you see? I said he played a good chunk of, of minutes and then played a little bit of garbage time. And then he was like, <laughs> he goes to clarify, he's like, there's no garbage time. Like, all these minutes are valuable. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. Great. Okay, thank you. So let's say minutes that will not qualify for cleaning the glass or like minutes that are not of consequence for this single game, but very important <laughs> for development, whatever. Yeah, call we'll it. call them the Nathan Knight minutes. Okay, if yeah. Nathan Knight's in the game, uh, I'm sorry, Mark, but that's garbage time. That's some, that's yeah. some garbage time. Hey, there is no T word in in Oklahoma. There is no G word. Like we are just <laughs> just removing whatever makes sense. Anyway, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I also love the way in which Giddy is playing offensively uh, in the mm-hmm. first few games. Mm-hmm. And he's relentlessly attacking the basket, and yeah. I just love every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, as soon as he has um, someone who is not in front of him but he's on the side, he's He's getting at the rim, yeah. Um, and and I love this because there are, are such um, there are so many ways in which Giddy can play a pick and roll or just play in motion and get to that spot. And I think this will be a reliable uh, weapon because when he plays pick and roll with a like a shooter, yes, there is the pick and pop action, but it's also that split of a second where the defense has to make a choice and if the defender doesn't get in front of Giddy quickly enough he's there he's just getting at the rim and it's not speed it's just like savviness and using angles and just being taller than than the other guy because at the end of the day that this is how Giddy gets his point he's taller he's shifty he has a decent touch and and he's getting those baskets so um I really like that the, the three ball did not fall uh, against Minnesota. He had two attempts, not great attempts, to be honest. The, the passes were not awesome. Um, but I still like uh, how he plays offensively. Yeah. He was a little bit careless with the basketball. He had a few passes that were just bad passes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not even 20 yet. So, yeah. To be expected. Someone who actually played really well is Jeremiah. I thought, I yeah. thought that he's been a standout and it's it's kind of easy it was kind of easy to stand out last night if you're playing on the thunder if you're playing well uh, i thought he looked great defensively he's limited because he doesn't have long super long arms he's not a giant guy but he's mostly in the right place he plays hard he plays physical and then the shot looks really good I mean that's yeah. that's something that is working, and if this is the version that you get playing next to Chet, then you're like, yeah, this is this could be a solution if they don't draft somebody at that at that slot. Um, we need to see it over a larger sample. Obviously, he's not going to shoot as well as he has so far this season. Yeah, that's sixty three point six percent. That seems unsustainable. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> He credited Chip England when I asked yeah. him about it last night, which is just funny. He's just got like this. He's just a magician with uh, with shooting, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. And some of it, you wonder, and this is a part of the process with changing your shot or adjusting your shot, is like some guys are like just putrid right now. And you have to wonder, like, 
one, who all is he working with? And who, who is it not working for right now? <laughs> you know, like you have only five guys are shooting above 30% right now from three. I blame Alex for this. Yeah, Alex's bold prediction is definitely a huge part of the reason. It's Josh at yeah. 30%, Mike Muscala at 38%, Baisley shooting 60%, but it's only three of five. Jeremiah is 63.6%, as you said, seven of 11. And then J-Dub, who, please get well. Like, get well. I saw him uh, last night walking around. He's obviously sitting on the bench. He was in the locker room. He's wearing big old glasses the whole time. Uh, get well, man. Uh, this team needs you desperately just for... Or not. Depends where to go, Lars. Hey, just just for entertaining basketball, I need him back. Yeah. <laughs> just somebody else that can do something. Uh, everybody else is below 30%. Poku's 28. He's only 2 of 7. Shea's only 3 of 11 from 3. 27.3%. That didn't feel right. Wiggins is 25%, 104. Eugene, 25%. He hit that corner three last night. Trey Mann, 23.5%. He's 4 of 17. Yikes. Kenrich yeah, is 1 of 5. Good. Dort's 4 of 20. Jang is 1 of 5. Lindy's 1 of 6. Yikes. And Isaiah Joe, who got a little bit of run last night, is 0 of 2. Jay Will is the only guy who hasn't taken a three on the entire team. I'm grateful of that. He's uh, Well, it's going to happen. If he gets more yeah. minutes, that dude's going to let it fly. But back to Jerry, I, I really love the way in which he's playing right now. He's yeah. very decisive. Uh, no hesitation whatsoever. This was something that was there. Apparently, like It was apparent last year mm -hmm. that he was thinking, hey, should I take this one? Right now is, uh -huh. I'm going to take this one. Uh -huh. um, and it's, I don't know if he will play, he's a guy that will play a lot with, with Chet or if he's going to get, like the second unit minutes, I, I don't particularly care. He, if he plays like that, every team needs a guy like that. So yeah. um, a guy that talks on defense, a guy that plays hard on defense, that knows where to be and has no hesitation whatsoever that, and, and has good results in terms of taking threes, that is that is something that, that OKC really needs. Um, now, if you keep these up in terms of uh, percentage, he will obviously create space. This is something yeah. that it doesn't happen right now. Like nobody is really, uh, nobody cares about if Jerry is open from three. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if these are the results, he will, he, like people will care because mm. he he's showing everyone that he's going to take multiple threes if he's open. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he should. I think it's I think it's great. I, I mean if. If he's only like 35, 36% by the end of the season, I think it's something you feel really good about because that's two seasons of 35% from three. Then it's like, okay, like throw that in the scouting report. Like you need to at least keep an eye on this guy. Maybe not like hard closeout, but like if the ball swings to him, you might have to pay attention to him a little bit. So that's, uh, that's definitely something. A lot of people have started to discuss... And, you know, we've talked about Baisley in certain ways through the years. And a lot of people are wanting to throw Lou into that same bucket as, like, doesn't fit with this team. I know you, you might, I might be talking to the leader of this, uh, this brigade here. I would just say that 
we have to keep some things in mind. One, one guy got a new deal, another one didn't. Mm-hmm. One guy starts every single game, the other one doesn't. One guy mm-hmm. is going to play significant minutes, the other one only played four last night. So like, just be careful about making like sweeping judgments about these guys with regards to who they are and like what the team should or shouldn't do with these guys. I mean, Lou is somebody that is held in pretty high regard and, and should be like, he's done some, he's done some pretty good stuff in his career so far. It does not look good. Like trying to defend him today as far as like his game and what he brings, like it's just, it's tough. And I will maybe die on this hill just that I, I want to see what it looks like with Chet before I'm just ready to throw in the towel with a guy like Oh, uh, that is even even as the commander of the anti-Dort train, mm-hmm. uh, which I probably am. Um, I think that a version of Lou Dort that exists because it exists somewhere. Um, for example, preseason game number two for him i think it was against detroit um that is the version of loot that you need mm-hmm. taking open lanes to the basket taking three four trees having nine ten shots and playing remarkable defense on kate yep. that is the version of loot that exists that everyone knows it's there and the team as as a whole needs to allow that version to be the version that Lou likes. Mm -hmm. So uh, right now is not coming to fruition. He's playing very bad. He, the process, as I mentioned before, is to me wrong. Like he's trying to do too much. um, And and I think that there, there is room to do a little bit less and be extremely effective. Mm -hmm. Like Andre Gudala was a player that made an all-star team and was very effective as a scorer when he was younger um, in Philly. And then he he went to Denver, he went to Golden State. And one could say that the most prolific version was not the best version of Iguodala, even if if that was an all-star version. The other ones were incredibly helpful. And I mean, he was an integral part of why those teams were successful. And I think that Dort has the potential to be that player, that level of player, like a connector on defense, um, a play finisher on offense, a guy that can make an extra pass. He showed that last night. When he's not going 100 miles an hour, he knows how to survey the court and to make the extra pass when he's driving. Mm -hmm. There is value in him driving because he's a good free throw shooter. He's, He's improved so much in, in in free throws that it's like that is a weapon so i agree with you yeah he's Let's 15 of 18 time. so far this season yeah yeah no no that is that Most is on the team I, by far i wouldn't say automatic because that is like um another territory like it's above 90 percent, and he yeah. will not be probably no but he's a very reliable free throw shooter from yeah. i think two and a half seasons now or mm-hmm. one and a half season mm-hmm. at least so I like that part of his game. He just has to be more mindful about the treatment shot. It, it, it goes just to that. Like if he's able, as we mentioned many times, just take corner trees. I know that it's not what you want to do, but when you do it, it's there. there is value. And there is a player that he can be paid 20 minutes per year. Yeah. He just takes so few corner threes. 
Yeah. I mean, you look back at some of the data and catch and shoot, he was way worse on catch and shoot than on pull-ups last year. Just overall. Yeah. And it's because of the space he occupies on the court. And I've talked about this like when the Thunder drafted Chet, but he occupies the space that scorers occupy, like Anthony yeah. Edwards occupies. And last yeah. night was by necessity just because no one else is going to do it. And so he was going to do it. And so that's okay. But when this team is healthy, but who that's else? Most, who else I is going to do it? I don't care. That is, that is one thing that I really, uh, I, I don't agree at all. Yeah, there was nobody. Not true. Trey Mann is a much better scorer than he is from three. I know Trey's going to have to do it, three. though. Like, that's part of Trey's DNA a little bit, is that yeah. he is not forceful. Like, he's more like hanging in the background. You can even listen, listen to him talk, and you can just tell, like, oh, okay. Like, he's not, like, uh, the guy. Yeah. You know? And that's just – and they are trying everything they can do to pull that out of him. Mm-hmm. And try and bring that out, of it. and I've started to see a little bit more of it on the court. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Last night should have been a game where he has twenty shots. Yeah, and he really like should have just took control of the game, but he didn't. And Lou, right or wrong, is going to do it. He's going to do it. And yeah. Mark, and Mark, he has earned Mark's trust. Yeah, on both ends, he he has. Over probably anybody that played last night. And Mark would even say, like, Lou is not perfect. And Lou has a lot to improve on. But he and Kenrich probably have the most trust from Mark that, that played last night after Giddy went down. Like, that's just the way that it is. Yeah. I Again, uh, I think that you're right. Other players should be more assertive when played with Lou Dort. But I think that he needs to understand that a step in in like if you if you take a step back not a not a real step back shot just a step back in terms of um production mm-hmm. he can unlock so much more for mm-hmm. himself oh this is and i just don't know that it will really happen and i think next year will be the 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 test will be the test will be in and you mm-hmm. you've got a it's pass or fail buddy because when Chet's back and they're going to bring in somebody that they draft high in this 23 draft, um, Lou, you're the fifth starter. You know? Or Lou, yeah. you're the sixth man. Or whatever it is. I would yeah. I would guess you'd still be this. Unless they draft a guard. J-Dub can play that role. I'm, he's going to have to earn it. He's yeah. and And I know that like in our heads... Because, I mean, and so much of this, like, we're going to have to... So much of this team has already been played out in our minds so much. We've seen Jada mm-hmm. play five minutes in the NBA, you know? Yeah, that that is true. Like, we have... We play it in our heads so much that we feel like we know how it's going to work out. Like, we... Okay, we have these skill sets. We know how these guys gel and how this fits. Like, J-Dub's going to have to do quite a bit to me and like the mind of like the coaching staff to elevate himself above a guy like Lou. Like Lou's already done quite a bit. And I know that Lou's not played well this season, but there have been pockets of time where it's like, oh my goodness, like Lou Dort 
they they won games they shouldn't have won last year because of Lou Dort. Yeah. You know. And J Dub hasn't done any of that at all so far. Does J Dub have a game that could translate? Like, yeah. Heck yeah. I think there's a chance that we get to April and it's like they can't hold him back anymore. I think there's a chance mm-hmm. of that. I'm just not ready to to jump on that yet. And I no, I'm not. I'm not saying that 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 is what I would do today. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm saying is that sometimes doing more is it's creating more issues and benefits. Uh, yeah. And sometimes when Lou plays like this, I think that having uh, Wiggins out there is probably better. Sure, just. That is that, and if Wiggins is better, I have to believe that the pick number eleven is better than that, or twelve is better than that. I like Wiggins. I like Wiggins a lot. I I do too, but (laughs) Wiggins is not the player that you can say. Like Wiggins isn't in their lower tier Royce O'Neal kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Like right now, that's a great outcome for him. The Royce O'Neal level is a great outcome for him. Like lower level Royce O'Neal. Originally, he's a player that, that that's okay. So, yeah, for me that that is the that is the, the sticking point. I know that Luke can do many things, but in this team, you don't need to do many things on offense. Mm-hmm. You can play a lesser role. You can allow Jerry to take nine shots from three instead of four. Yeah, like this to me is understanding where your strengths are and where other are in terms of like on the court where they are, what they can do to help the team win. Mm-hmm. So not understanding this to me is part of the problem. Now, does it mean that Lou will never get this? I, I can't say. Yeah. Um, and like having alpha guys will help because when they have the ball in their hands, I mean, take the own waiters. Waiters was a guy that was not understanding that role in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, you know, because he hit it yeah. after a while. I think a a really good case for this, and I was talking about this last night with um, with Band McMahon. Dylan Brooks is kind of the guy in my mm-hmm. head, where Dylan became like what he is in Memphis, and became a like a good player for them. Mm-hmm. But he's got like this ultimate green light sometimes. Like he took ten threes in a game last year mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like there's there's a lot going on with dylan brooks and he's like billed as a defender but like sometimes he takes on too much offensively to really be to be the defender that they want him to be and i think they have the thunder have to look at the situation and say like we can't allow dort to become like the dylan brooks of this team because we need him to be more of like a specialized role player because like Brooks will shoot them out of games at times, you know, yeah. and like they can't allow like that, looking, that is exactly that is a great example. And, look, and again, to me, it's not very dissimilar to the Dion Waiters one. Yeah, it's not. And I, I, you know, you see games where Dylan Brooks is just just doesn't shoot the ball well at all, and they lose. And I think that the Thunder just have to. It's a balance. Like they just have mm-hmm. to create a balance for him. You know, that and and it, it's I just don't know that it can be achieved this year. 
I think it's I think it's too difficult, and they're trying to develop him, and like there's just a lot going on this year. Next year, though, when it's Shea, Chet, Giddy, fill in the blank, Dort, Lou Dort, you are you are not an above the break guy. Like we've got above the break guys already. Like we need you to be in the corner or moving or screening. Like Lou, like we need Lou Dort the screener. You know, we need Lou Dort the guy who's gonna do the little things to help you win. Because he's got that in his DNA, you know, as a guy that'll just like whatever the coach needs me to do. The problem is that we have been in for the last two seasons. Somebody's got to score the basketball mode, you mm-hmm. know, and they a part of the way the Thunder develop is like kind of letting things play out and like letting guys kind of discover who they are and what and let the team discover who they are to a degree. And I, I think the approach is good because like some of the greatest things in NBA history were discovered just because teams let things play out. Mm-hmm. And not, I mean, Draymond Green at, at center was not like something that the Warriors sat down and said, okay, I've got an idea. It's something that just happened. Yep. And they were like, holy smokes. We just, uh, something was just unlocked. And it was out of necessity. It was just, it just needed to happen because they didn't have the bodies at the time. Hey, they subtract, subtracted uh, a player that was all about taking non-efficient shots and, and wow. it worked wow i just think <laughs> i'm not i just will, will not be ready to throw in the towel on lou dort until i see what it looks like next season yeah if he is unwilling and we still see lou dort while like everybody's like playing like this symphony you know basketball where the ball's flying around everybody's moving around and then you have dort coming in playing like a Metallica, you know, mm-hmm. just, just solo in the middle of this orchestra, then it's like, all right, bro, listen, this ain't, this is not going to work. Like, it's not going to work like this. <laughs> I just worry that if you're not able to start doing it in a season where, like, the plan is clear. The plan is for you not to be number one, number two, number three. Yeah. Probably not also number four. Like, just learn. Because it's not about scoring less. It's about how. It's not about less in, in, in I don't, general. I don't think that the coaching staff thinks differently than you do. Okay. Then if I don't see it this year, I would not be pleased. <laughs> I would not be pleased because then next year it's about... A, a, they, he will do it because of necessity and he will not be happy. It will not be understanding. That's what you say. That's what the money's for. That's what the money's for, Lou. Yeah, money, money. Money can just can do so much. But also, Lou wants to win. Yeah. That's, and that's, that is what, that's, that is the what supp- is that's, that's what can supplement like the I'm not I'm not playing like I did the last three years, but boy, are we winning. Like we're yeah. like we're it's January and we're two games above five hundred. Like yeah. This is uh, this is way better. Like this is it, you know. And that's the thing. That's the thing about these young teams, and this is why young teams take time, is that they have no clue how to win basketball games. They don't know. Yeah. If oh, it's clear. If, if Sam Presti went and 
like they they're all like, all right, we're ready to win now. Like Sam calls, like he's got so many assets at his disposal. I mean, if Sam was the one who traded for Bogdanovich and brought him here, and he helped him win like three more games or whatever, that's the it's the dumbest thing ever. It's just dumb. It's stupid. It does not. It's not going to aid in the development of these players. It doesn't help them like suddenly learn how to win. Because if his an expiring contract, he leaves. They're not really that much closer to knowing how to win because like yeah. winning takes self-sacrifice. Like that's like the yeah. number one thing it's going to take. And it's like exactly what you're talking about with Lou. It's going to take self-sacrifice from Lou Dort and a willingness to let go of this role in order for him to win basketball games. It's going to take the same from Shea. It's going to take the same thing from Giddy. It's going to take the same thing from Chet. It's going to take the same thing from whoever they draft in this next draft. From J Dub, from Jang, from everybody. If they're going to be, and, and Sam talks about this, like the Thunder have climbed their first mountain. They're down in the valley right now. They're awaiting the climb up the second mountain. Whoever's going to climb that second mountain has to be willing to lay down their pride and be able to sacrifice for the good of the team. That's yep. when you will know that they're ready to win. That's when you will know that Lou Dort is ready to win is whenever you can see that he's willing to sacrifice shots, sacrifice drives, sacrifice whatever it is. Like that's how you know. And like it just that takes time to learn. It's not even a next year thing that I would anticipate. I think Oh no. At soonest it's the year after that. Seasons. I mean 24-25 might be the first year that you finally start to see and this is another thing Pretzi talked about in his um, beginning of the season presser was overlapping primes. We've started to talk about that a little bit on this show. That's when you'll know that whenever their overlapping primes start to develop, that's whenever things you really start to get cooking. And if this was the team, what's and what's great about this is that if this was the team where you add Chet to it and that was it, I would still like I would still really believe in what this team could be moving forward. The beauty mm-hmm. is that you get to add lotto pick from 23, and you get to add all these picks that occur during the overlapping primes of these players. So not yeah. only during that time are you starting to see like maturity, players learning how to win, overlapping primes, but with all of that, and this is where you should be really excited as a Thunder fan, you have all those elements plus extra picks. Yeah. Because the Thunder, like, think about it. When they acquired Dion and they acquired Kanner, that was sort of like, that was it. Like, we've, this is this is all we've got. There's nothing left in the barrel. There's nothing else to yeah. get. Like, that's it. And those were not ideal candidates. To say the least. And, but if they had two extra picks during that time, it could have allowed them to make a better upgrade. Yeah. And the Thunder are going to have more than that during during the time where it's like it's go time. Let's figure this out. This is and this is why one they pushed back the Miami pick last year at the trade deadline. Like this is why. That's why they pushed that pick back. It's like okay, we'd rather have that pick not now, but whenever we want to be good. That's yeah. That's when we want the pick. It also helps that Butler will be. 
um, older in 2025 compared to 2023. Oh yeah, so, yeah. No, I, mean, I the, agree. Uh, it's, yeah, there's it's a chance of that pick. That's a that's a high upside pick. I don't know if it works out. You know, they it yeah. may end up just being the 20th pick or whatever. But again, having the 20th pick then is just so much better, better than having it now. Because you add the 20th pick to this team, well, you're just throwing one other guy into the middle of this fight for minutes, this fight for whatever, where, like you saw it last night, all these guys are pretty level, and they're all trying to compete for the same slots. And, yeah. it, and it looked like a, just a jumbled mess, like to be honest, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I think that everyone was out of sorts uh, yeah. because of uh, Shamey saying, um, and again, the rotations were not uh, really helping finding stability. I don't think that was the point uh, of the game. Yeah, and, and again, with all this up to the third quarter, they were in the game. They were still like, in the game until things went just absolutely they bonkers were from three the for the Wolves. Yeah, yeah they were in it. Uh, I mean, you even look at. Uh, Minnesota, they were searching for guys. It's like how, how we gotta we gotta finish this out. Like we gotta we need a knockout yeah. punch somewhere, and they found it. And the Nas third, Reed, Nas Reed, man, he yeah, he great. always kills it down there for some reason. Yeah, he does. I don't know if it's I don't know what it is. I don't know if they underestimate him or whatever it is. But he was cooking last night. He was really good. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back. We are gonna do some uh, voicemail Mondays. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And we're back after that quick break. Uh, here is our first voicemail. It's about fantasy basketball, but it can also just apply to real-life basketball. What is going on, my fellow Dunkers, Andrew and uh, McKinley? Hope you guys are doing well. This is Bryson from North Carolina. 
Uh, I just had a question about fantasy basketball. I've recently started a dynasty fantasy basketball with some friends. Uh, if you're not familiar, a dynasty is where you keep the same players over the years, and you would only draft rookies after your first draft. Um, so, And you also get some trade picks and everything. But uh, basically my question would be, if you, if you were going to go for a dynasty draft, would there be any – uh, Oklahoma City players you'd be interested in, or who would you target? Thanks, guys. Hope you're well. Dynasty players. I mean, obviously, Shea is probably already taken in such a league. Uh, mm-hmm. Chet Holmgren. Holmgren. I have to really think about Holmgren. That. Holmgren is a player that I would take and stash him. Uh, maybe you have an IR, injury reserve. Yeah. Your roster, throw them on there. Um, J Dub would be another one. That yeah, low turnover, uh, kind of a mix of assist and rebounds. Uh, he's also efficient, so that, that's that's not a, a bad pick. Yeah. Everybody else is TBD. I mean, if you're taking Usman Jang right now, that's a that is a uh, yeah, it's a it's a reach. Do they have two ways? In Dynasty, you t- you're thinking Eugene? Yeah, I mean he's he's I I don't know the fantasy point, but it should be. Let me check. I, I don't know. He is a productive player. He's he was uber productive last night, and yeah. it's just a bowling ball. Yeah, uh, he's he's fun. I re- I like Eugene. I don't know how good he is. Um, if you and we're not talking real basketball, we're talking fantasy points. So. It's true, and I'm not allowed to say it was garbage time. But yeah, it was, sorry, it Mark. Was, um, it was garbage time. Cleaning glass. It's cleaning not the glass time. <laughs> yeah, unused cleaning the glass time. Yeah. Oh boy. Um. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's that's the thing about fantasy is that it's typically the pretty obvious characters. Yeah. Where, like Jang is like the deep sleeper. Where it may not yeah, be Jang, worth it, but yeah, I mean it depends how many picks you have yeah. and how high he's available. Yeah. Of course, before you you peak, and it also depend um, depends if you if you need someone right now or you can afford to just take a guy and not playing him for the entire season because I think he will be a minus this season. Mm-hmm. In in a couple of years, then he might be. He might be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, J is a safe pick if you don't have Chet, though, because I, th- I think he will be a steady, productive player. I think so, too. It's a shame that he hadn't played so far this season. Yeah. Because I do think that we'd be talking quite a bit about him on this show uh, had, he, had he been there. And he's somebody that they want to handle the ball a lot. Yeah. They want the ball in his hands. And that's... You know, maybe maybe Lou Dort wouldn't have as many strays being thrown at him the last couple of days if, uh, if J Dub were playing hey, a yeah. little bit more. Um, J Dub seems a guy that takes the ball and doesn't really allow others to to do his job. He's so, a point guard. He played point guard yeah. his entire life, his whole life. That's what he yeah, was. He's a point guard at once. Like like Trey Mann played with the ball in his hands a lot in Florida. Uh, at he Florida, did. So he did. 
And now he's deferring. He def- he de- he defers. I wish that he had a little bit more Lou Williams in him. You know, mm-hmm. like mental, like we skill set and age and height and what you got in your bag is like such a all. It's a very big deal. I'm not trying to downplay it, but like mentality is such. Oh man, it's such a huge, huge thing. Yeah, with these guys, that's why. Like, that's the most impressive thing about Shea is his mentality and the way that he works and thinks the game. It's elite. Like it's yeah. it is absolutely elite. It that's why he's here. That's why he's gotten to where he is. It's because he just thinks at such a high level. It's unbelievable. Um, I was able to go to the locker room before we get to our last um, question, and it was the first time since Chris Paul played on the Thunder we hadn't been wow. able to go in the locker rooms. So ages ago the. The Thunder completely redesigned the locker room and then also the the media room where we interview players and the coach at the podium. And I thought it was an interesting time to be back in there. One, um, just felt strange being able to, to be back there again. But two, like before it was like this one giant room that had lockers and like ha- like a hangout area in front of every locker where everyone was just in this one big giant room. It had like a giant thunder emblem in the middle of it. it had like a whiteboard. It had TVs all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they completely changed the 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 uh, the layout of the locker room area. So you kind of have to wind around this hallway, and it's. On one side, there's like the actual like where their lockers are, and like the locker room, and then on the other side is this like hangout area where they all have chairs. It's almost like they have like a everyone has like a little table in front of them where they can sit and eat and they can just do whatever. So we are allowed to go into the actual locker room part and not in the hangout part where. Oh guys kind of cycle in and out of the locker room area and it's gonna take some time i think it was cool because you you got to see the guys they see they see you you get to like say what's up say you know what's you know how's it going you know with like lindy like lindy and i can have something pretty easy to talk about talk about osu football uh and the Mm -hmm. big win against texas and then Mike Muscala didn't stop and get the Cracklin' Oak brand after media day. So I had to give him a hard time about that. So like, you're just like looking for like little ways that you can form relationships with these guys. And it's really the only, it's the first time in a long time that you actually have a chance to do that. And so it's really cool. Uh, and then just looking at the locker placements, I think is like another thing that probably doesn't matter, but it's kind of cool to see. So it's like one big square room. There's more rec- a rectangular room where, you, like the when you walk right in, you're in the middle of the room, and you see this big wall that has that is lined with lockers. It starts on the far left. It's Trey Man, Chet, Giddy, Dort, SGA, uh, and then J Dub is the, like the 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 back wall. Wow, are these names, and then. On the right-hand side, uh, Jay Will is right next to J-Dub. Uh, and then Isaiah Joe is right next to Jay Will. 
which Joe Masato had to make a thousand jokes about his, that being his jersey and that being his locker, which is great. And I hope he continues to do it forever. Um, and then right when you walk in to the right on the kind of the back wall is the old guy section where you have Mascala and Kenrich next to each other. <laughs> and then if you go, you walk across, uh, I call this the project wall. <laughs> where Jang and Poku are the only two lockers on the opposite side. Wow. Um, which I just, just, I just giggled to myself about it. Um, and then let's see, I'm trying to think who am I missing? Where's JRE? JRE is right over there next to Wiggins. Wiggins and JRE are next to kind of on the wall next to where Trey is. And it's Wiggins and Trey are right next to each other. And mm-hmm. Wiggins and Trey sat, and like you can tell, like they're like really good friends. Um, mm. So, but it's interesting. All the guys walk in, like everybody's very nice. It's kind of a weird situation because we're in the room where they're changing. I thought about thought about taking my own clothes in there and just changing clothes with them. Just be like, hey guys, how's it going? Everybody getting ready for the game? You know. Um, but no, I mean. For the most part, like guys aren't actually like changing there while we're there, yeah. Because we're only there for half. We can only be in there for a half hour block, and so after the half hour is over, I'm sure that they're like, "All right, finally, those weirdos are out of the locker room, and we can go in there and change clothes." But that's just—it's the way the NBA has formatted it. It's kind of the way that it's always been, um, but it's a—it's uh, cool being able to be back there and hopefully get a chance to form relationships with, with these guys in a professional way. So, um, it's cool that it's great that you can be part of the, it's wild guys is, yeah, is wild to me that that is a reality. It's uh yeah. I mean, not everyone can go there. So that the fact that you, you can get there, it's meaningful. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's extremely meaningful to me. I'm very, very thankful for that. Uh, all right. One more voicemail before we go. Hi, uh, this is Paul from Dallas. Uh, my question is, so what exactly is Poku now? Uh, he's not preseason Poku, which was, he seemed like he could be a guy. Uh, is he, dare I say, relegation Poku, like he might be back to G League level? Or should we give him a few more games since all our games up to this point had dominant big that he had to deal with? Um, just curious what you guys thought. Thanks. That's relegation Poku. That is close <laughs> to relegation Jeremy Grant uh, uh, a couple of preseasons ago. Uh-huh. Uh, not a couple, way more. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that we have to give it 20 games with yeah. Poku, 15 yeah. games. That is where we should start make, making prediction about anything that happens. Yeah, I think that up to that moment, we should really say stuff about the game. Like Poku mm-hmm. played bad this game, period. Uh, and nothing to be projected more uh, in the future because we've seen hot starts, bad starts, good starts, and and whatnot. So last season, the first ten games of Shea was wow, where is Shea? Mm-hmm. Like, is this the la-? and then then we had the last part, yeah. which was insane. Um, so I or Trey man, I mean Trey was like unplayable. Yeah, Trey first. was like, why did they took they took him in the mid first round like. What is this? Like, why did they like, do this? There is Trey Murphy the third, which is still very good. I'm Sh- I mean, so Shane glad Green. that he's still doing well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm 
so let's let's wait. But relegation Poku is <laughs> relegated Poku right now. We'll see next game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. you hope that he's not somebody that needs two weeks in the G League again. I think that would it would it would not be great if they be sit down out of the league. Not great. Yeah, if he I, still has the yeah. need of hey, go there two weeks. <laughs> yeah, and you just yeah, you hope. Gosh, you hope that he doesn't get there, and that like mentally, and we're talking about mental toughness of these guys. I mean, that's a that's a big deal for Poku. Is like, is he mentally tough enough to play the game? He's obviously has the skill. He's got the size. He's athletic enough. Like he's got all the tools. And he, I think he can shoot it. I think he's a good passer. He's good enough rebounder. He's got, he's got it all. But is it up here? Does he have it up here? And that can be developed. It can take some time to get there. Um, you just hope that he can develop some toughness throughout this season. And this is the moment to remember that if Muscala misses the shot, OKC could have um, Therese Maxi and McDaniels. <laughs> <laughs> they would have traded him for Poku anyways. Yeah. Oh. Most likely. Yeah. Was was Maxi the same draft? I'm starting to, to yeah. get everything mixed yeah, up. Yeah, same draft. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went twenty first. Maxi and Jaden McDaniels. That would be pretty good. That would be pretty awesome. Also, you don't if you draft both those guys, you definitely don't have chat. Maybe if you draft the McDaniels, you have chat. I mean, yeah. I mean, McDaniels was not. Yeah, he's that not that impactful yeah, last yeah. year. No, he wasn't. Like maybe, but if you take Maxi and Chet, you probably have like pick seven or eight. In last year's draft, hey, it's it's great to have um, Ben Matherin and and no, it's not. Yeah, Ben Matherin is pretty good. It's good, but it's not Chet. I like Ben Matherin quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's a depressing note to end this podcast on. <laughs> um, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for following along on YouTube. If you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do that. Also. Down to Dunk Night, a week from Thursday. Holy smokes, it is sneaking up on me. Go buy your tickets. Go to Down to Dunk Twitter. If you don't have a Twitter account, go to twitter.com, search Down to Dunk. You can find it on there. I'll continue to retweet it so that it pops up to the top of our feed. But go click that link, get your tickets for Down to Dunk Night. It's going to be very, very fun to play the Nuggets. We all know the Nuggets like to play to their level of competition, and hopefully we get Shea and Giddy healthy so that they can play. Hopefully J-Dub is playing by then as well, uh, which I think is very possible. You can watch Mask J-Dub play in person. And then half-court shot contest after the game. Take a big picture with the entire down to dunkers. It's going to be a glorious, glorious time. So please join us next Thursday, November 3rd, Get your tickets. We have options to sit in Loud City, options to sit down low as well. And then we will all join together uh, pregame at the Tap House next door to the arena at the Omni. And then all join together for the half-court shot contest. So please get your tickets today. 
Hope you guys have a wonderful Monday. And we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.